Hey everyone and welcome to episode 37 of the Audience Please podcast with me, your host, Adam. And first for the podcast, it's our first guest to have been on twice and I welcomed James from Mutes On. And uh, if you haven't heard it, he was previously on with Goddamn when he was with those guys. He's not, not, no longer with, with them anymore, but um, yeah, it's really good to have a catch up with him and talk around Mutes and their new album, Dreams Are Being Cornered, which is out on May 7th. And we dived really deep into um, a lot of his musical influences and his songwriting and how he puts a Mutes record together. Um, it was really interesting to chat about. And he brought some new gig stories along with him as well, which was really, really good to hear. Um, yeah, we, we do go on some tangents at some point. It was just really nice to, to catch up with, with a friend, especially during these uh, bizarre times. But I hope everyone's doing okay and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do go like, follow, subscribe, share, all that stuff on all the platforms if you enjoy it. And I will catch you next time. Bye. James, how you doing, mate? Um, how is life at the moment? How are you surviving during this crazy time at the moment? Yeah, I, I'm very well, thank you, Adam. Um, yeah, everything's, um, you know, seems to be edging its way back towards normality. So yeah. it's all good. Um, I'm one of those rare people that has been working throughout this pandemic. Um, so it's kind of just been like life but with none of the benefits for yeah. a year you know um but it's fine you know um I've, you know just been getting by really you know i got into fitness in a pretty big way in the last lockdown and um yes. it's 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 not been all bad you know yeah so that's good yeah. that's good to hear well, yeah how we, about yourself how yeah you <laughs> well we were just before we started recording we were just saying we're both a bit ropey today because i think we're celebrating yeah, yeah celebrating things opening up which is yeah like you say good to see good to see mates again i, I know you were just saying that you're going to see tom later of uh goddamn when you got yeah, the guys yeah. on last time which would be nice have you not seen him for a while then i have not seen tom since i quit the band so oh, it's wow. been quite a while it's been um probably just under a year Wowzers. Since I've seen him in person, um, but which is crazy because he lives like 15 minutes walk from me. But obviously, you know, um, people have their own lives and stuff. And um, Tom's a pretty busy guy, obviously with his kids and stuff. So, but yeah, I'm seeing him later. It'll be nice to catch up, yeah. and uh, hopefully, it won't devolve into madness. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll have to say <laughs> hi to him from me. Um, Absolutely, do, do love that man. So, um, yeah, I suppose. Before we dive into your new record, um, something that I've been asking all the guests that I've had on, uh, especially with the last year, is yeah, what's been keeping you going and is there any music that you've been really enjoying uh, the last year, either new or uh, stuff that you've rediscovered? 
Yeah, it, it, it's you know what, it's, it's been really interesting. Um, like as a music fan, um, I for the past three years now have not been commuting to work. I've um, been fortunate enough to work within ten minutes walk of where I've been living oh, amazing. for the past three years, um, and I didn't realise how much music I listen to as a commuter, you know, like on public transport. Yeah. So I've had to make an active effort to listen to music now because I'm not just popping something on when I'm on the train or whatever, um, which is one of the reasons I've been enjoying going running so much because it's a time for me to actually like listen to music for an hour. Um, so in terms of what's like kept me going over the past, you know, um, year of hell is um, working on new music. I mean, obviously, you know, music about to put out an album, but we're basically most of the way for the next one already. Nice. Um, just writing. I think we're going to do a double album next. So working on music, um, trying to keep myself healthier, um, you know, like I said, in terms of like the, the physical stuff. Um, but in terms of music I've been enjoying, um, I mean, I try to keep up with new music. I've really been enjoying the latest Spirit of the Beehive record. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really um, good. I really recommend that. Entertainment Death. Um, but I got really into a band called Felt last year as well, a band from Birmingham um, who were around in the 80s and released 10 records in 10 years then split up. Oh, wow. Um, and they're an incredible band. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's. Oh, I got really into Suede this year. Like... <laughs> And Unwound as well. So basically, the only two bands I listen to are like, I'm listening to Suede or Unwound, which is a bit odd because they're completely different. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a funny thing, isn't it? Like, obviously, you're very new music orientated, you know? And yeah. I think you have you have to make it like a mission, don't you, to keep up with stuff? Because I was listening to um, Radio 6 the other day and they were saying how there are 60,000 songs released a week. Yeah. You know, which is insane when you think about it. Like, talk about an oversaturated market, do you know what I mean? Well, um, the- and I mean, you've kind of just alluded to it, and I did want to talk about this, how productive you've been. But especially last year was such a strong year for new music. But everyone's yeah. been so creative in the last few months because they've had nothing else to do, no gigs, yeah. no touring. Yeah, um, it's crazy. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. But then on the on the flip side of that, though, like it's definitely. Um, I mean, I'm, and I hope I grow out of this at some point. But I'm one of those people that like I don't write from a um, like a like I'm not a novelist. I don't adopt characters or anything when I write. Like I have to write from life experience. And sadly, the more bad things that happen to me the more I have to write about. So I kind of like have to make bad decisions in order to have something to draw upon. Um, So it's been odd because obviously, especially when I was like last year and I was kind of going sober for a while, like um, I didn't really have the life experience that I'd always drawn upon previously to write about. Um, So it was trying to, um, you know, find stumble upon inspiration in a different place you know, um, but yeah. that is a good thing. I think it forced a lot of artists out of their comfort zone, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I suppose uh, that, that was something I wanted to ask around your sort of process, um, especially with Mutes, because it's very much your project. You've had a rotating lineup of mm-hmm. uh, various people come in and out. Um, but with this new, I suppose we'll come on to the new record. Um, 
had you had these songs in the bank for a while? Like you said, you'd been sober for a while and it is a very self-reflective record. Um, but was it something you'd had churning away in the background? Or? I mean, so it was... So the lineup has been stable now for a couple of years uh, with Tom Craig. And these songs were songs that we just hashed out um, on stage. Like we were... Um, I mean, we're mutes are pretty um, full on. Like we're, we're very productive. Um, you know, we um, really get down to it. We don't play old songs. You know, we don't. We, we're always playing new stuff. So this song on this album, although it isn't even out yet, as of today, the 25th of April, um, it is old to us because okay. it's songs that we basically, as soon as Craig joined, I was like, right, these are the new songs that we're going to play together. And we actually did hash them out together. So, and it was kind of written lyrically in, I mean, I had a, a bad couple of years, like 2019 was probably the worst year of my life. Um, just standard, you know, drink and drug abuse and just, just basically it's been a complete mess. Yeah. Um, so lyrically it's basically all about, 2018, 2019, you know, I was in a long-term relationship that broke down and everything in my life sort of went to shit. Um, so it was sort of written, but it was really odd being like sort of that, you know, my per and this is how it's always been for me. Like my personal life might be in tatters, but creatively it's always been nonstop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. this, I'm kind of like a shark. I've just got to keep on moving, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, so there was a, um, a slight gestation period, I guess. But to be honest with you, man, like we wanted to put it out last year. Like yeah. the only thing that because we recorded it just before the pandemic, and we recorded it in two days. We did it super, super, super quick. Yeah. Um, but pandemic did halt the mixing of it a bit. Um, so I wanted to put it out in like November last year because um, I want to be a, an album a year band, you know, if I could. Yeah. Um, but that sort of shut things back a bit. So. Like I said, it's odd to only be putting it out like in a week or so's time because it, it feels like it was done so long ago. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, people that have different speeds, you know, like, um, I mean, even like, like we were talking about like Tom from Down, like we were talking the other day, and like Tom's a writer that goes through periods of heightened activity where he'll like have a bunch of songs in a few weeks or something. And then quite, to be honest, like long periods of doing nothing because he's a busy guy, the family guy. Yeah. Whereas I'm someone that is constantly doing stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and as a result, it's sometimes easy to feel like you're not doing as much because you don't have a certain like frenzied period. It's just yeah. like a consistent, you know, level of doing stuff. Um, but it seems to be working well. I mean, I think Newt's are fairly prolific, you know, considering like we're just a, you know, a local band. We're still put out, three albums within five years, you know? Yeah, so. and you and you were writing... Well, um, four years. Yeah, yeah, I was going yeah. through your um, social medias earlier, and you, you're, like you said, you've, you've already started writing the next record, which is great to see as well. Um, but I suppose that's the frustrating thing about the last year, going back to the not being able to tour stuff, and obviously you left Goddamn, so to focus more, I suppose, on mutes, and it's probably been frustrating from your well, perspective. I mean, not, not necessarily. I, I was just okay. sort of... I've done my thing with Goddamn, you know, like, yeah. like, like those guys at Ash and Tom, they're quite full on and I'm quite full on as well. And it was really from day one, always 
gonna be always had like a, a lifespan to i think okay. because i mean you've seen us play live that like, we were pretty intense yeah. you know like we really <laughs> one, one of the one of the that show at shacklewell it's the first i yeah. talk about this a lot it's the first time in years that i crowd surfed because that gig i something happened that night with me in that room and i just went yeah. mental <laughs> but that thing, like, like, like even with us as a band on stage like like me and Tom, I mean, obviously, we after sat behind the drums. Me and Tom, like, we would, you know, we like we'd like beat each other up and make out on stage. You know what I mean, like, it was it was a weird explosion of all this suppressed energy that you don't get to let go of when you're just sort of a regular person living a regular life. And whilst the obviously upside of that is that I do honestly feel like my time got down, like we are one of the most intense, energetic live bands in the UK. It also takes a lot out of you, you yeah. know, like like it does and creatively we've got down like i had a big hand in that last record i did a lot of the arranging and um you know i obviously you know was playing guitar sitting back over with everything so and i just kind of feel like well i I did my part and we were proud of it and um i think when the pandemic hit like it it kind of sucked because like obviously Goddamn hadn't played for a couple of years and then we did a couple of shows and i was really looking forward to getting back out on the road and then when the pandemic hit, the idea of going just back into rehearsal space and slaving away again, like we'd been doing that for the past couple of years. And I, I just didn't want to do that again, to yeah. be completely honest with you. Like, I, I wanted to do the fun bit now, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then the fun was taken away. And obviously, because, you know, mutes is my main thing, like I have enough seriousness going off in that. And I, it was a bit of a selfish thing, really. I was just like, I just don't want to deal with the hassle of, being in a band that has to rehearse and stuff. I just want to do the fun thing now. Um, So it was, I I don't regret it because like I said, it was probably going to happen anyway, but um, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't acrimonious. No, it was at first, Like I was a bit of an (laughs) asshole about it. Um, But I was, I I think like a lot of people in the first lockdown, like, especially because I was sort of like, you know, trying to maintain sobriety and stuff my head was just a mess, you yeah. know, like I went through a period where I thought the entire world was against me and I sort of threw all my toys out of the pram. So, yeah. um, it was all reconciled now, but yeah, wasn't the most, um, uh, healthy, healthy uh, thing for you probably. Yeah. 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 So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going, going back to mutes and I, I did want to talk around, dive more into, um, sort of your influences um so again i was reading something you'd written when you interviewed yourself which i, I found quite funny um and you were <laughs> talking to make it man yeah yeah <laughs> and uh you were talking about sort of your early influences of like nirvana alice in chains and when you if if you were someone who didn't know mutes and you read that interview and then listened to a mutes record yes yeah. it's, it's such uh I can see where those influences come in, but if you were totally new yeah. to mutes, you you wouldn't hear that initially. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I w- wanted to talk a bit around like what what are the main influences, not just for this album, but that whole mute sound. How did that come about? Because you could have, because well, well, obviously, Goddamn was probably your hard rock like output, whilst mutes is. Well, yeah. you say that. I, I mean, I'm I'm now currently in more bands than I've ever been, and I've joined two other bands. One which isn't publicly available <laughs> announced yet. You, you will see, I think you know who they are. Um, so yeah, I, I have joined another couple of hard rock bands. But um, in terms of like the music, the, the mutes influences. So like mutes originally started off as like my solo project, but I was just sort of doing like ambient sort of stuff. 
in my bedroom and like dream poppy stuff. Like at the time I was really super into like, you know, Deer Hunter, My Buddy Valentine, Wild Nothing, like all the captured tracks sort of dream poppy stuff. Yeah. So I really started off that. And then, but then the intention was always to have a band. Um, so initially I was playing a lot of solo shows, which I did for a few years. I haven't done so much recently, but I was doing stuff with like a sampler and loop pedals and all that sort of like techie stuff. And then I wrote a bunch of songs that I wanted a full band for, but I still didn't have a band. So I went to our ex-guitarist's house up in Leeds and we recorded an EP in his basement with the drummer who lived in that house that I literally just said to him, like, this is the structure of the song. This is where you need to do hi-hat. This is where you need to do ride cymbal. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of the first full band mute EP, Starvation Age, it was called. Um, and then from there, I just wanted to start a band. So I eventually enlisted the help of my friend Junior, who plays in Johnny Farner. He played for me for a bit. And um, I said, our old guitarist, Josh, and um, friend Tim, who now plays in Table Scraps. Um, and we started sort of playing as a full band. And then it just sort of became like a rotating cast of, you know, people as um, people dropped in and out. But because I've, since I lived in Birmingham, you know, when I moved there in 2009, like my only aim when I was younger you know, when I started playing guitar, I was like, I'm going to leave school and I'm going to start a band and I'm going to get <laughs> yeah, yeah. music. You know, so I got into the local gig scene and everything. And um, so I sort of always, I've always known enough people to always have a band going because, you know, I always know that like if one guy drops out, oh, that's this guy, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have probably like 10 X members at this point. So it's pretty, um, you know, it's, it, pre- it's, it's finally stable now. Tom and Craig, we've been together for over two years. And I think now, and this record, Dreams of Being Cornered, is, well, it's the first record where the time we've released it, the people that played in it are still in the band previously. <laughs> like, like the time we've actually put out the album, the guys that played in it quit. Yeah, or, it's, or it's, like so, that, it's like the Wikipedia past members timeline, just that initial, like, those little dots. Yeah, yeah. And then just those and people two. people come in and out as well. So it was like junior, like, you know, 2014 to 2017, and then 2018, you know, as well. Like, it's, it's a funny old thing. But um, so, yeah, so this is definitely the first album that's actually been um, recorded as a band. I mean, even like the last album, Paradolia, like, I literally recorded that album myself and yeah. mixed it all myself and did everything except for drums on the album myself. So, and that took so much out of me, like emotionally, that I don't think I could do that again. So I'm really grateful to actually have two guys with me who I love dearly as my best friends as well, but also that are great musicians and are super invested in it. Like that they are um, as invested in it as I am, you know? Do you think And I let them do what they want. Like, although it might seem like it's been a dictatorship, like (laughs) I've always been striving for collaboration, you know? It's just never really happened, whereas now it's finally happened and I'm not precious about things. Like, I mean, Tom, a bass player, who's also in another amazing band called Hooper Blue, like he made the video for Modern Waste. He just made it. He didn't tell me he was doing it. That's a really great video as well. Yeah, it's it's sick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and like... And, and like Craig, like I, I sent him an idea for a couple of t-shirts and the next day he just done it. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like they so they just do it. And it's so weird. I kind of feel like I've got imposter syndrome. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't deserve to have these people around me, you know, but they're yeah. there and they're great. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it sounds like they've brought, uh, their own character and obviously, like you say, support for you. Um, cause I suppose it gives you 
almost like you're obviously a very very creative person and mutes is your main creative output but almost takes that little bit of pressure off you so you can be more creative in a way and i I mean i don't know i'm more creative as a result i think (laughs) probably am more but yeah it is nice to like i can take a song to them that isn't 100 done yeah we can finish it together you know whereas in the past i literally would do everything down to like programming the drums the, the demo myself you know so it is nice but i do think like it's funny like getting old i mean i'm 30 very soon and I do think there is a thing where people are a bit more creative and prolific in their twenties simply because you have more energy and more time. And now that, I mean, I work six days a week as well as being in three bands. So like, (laughs) I don't have the time. I don't want to fucking sit down and program drums, man. Like (laughs) I don't want to do that now. So it's great to have a band that I can actually like, hash stuff out with as opposed to in the past where like you know i worked like three days a week and i didn't really give a shit yeah so i could just spend all day at the computer if i wanted to you know so yeah 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 so going back to the talking about sort of i suppose pressure and timelines going back to saying recording it in two days was that the initial plan um to sort of go in there and do it as quickly as possible i mean mutes like we never have any money yeah. you know like we don't like we release in our own label um although we i mean we have money as individuals because we've all got proper jobs but you know we don't necessarily want to blow all our savings on this band that no one particularly likes so <laughs> oh, um, come on <laughs> it was, well you know i mean unless things change things <laughs> um so we've only ever been to the studio twice and when we did no desire the first album we were only in the studio for three days um and we did drums and bass all the first day one guitar the next day and then the second guitar the third day and then i went home did all the vocals and synths and stuff myself in my room and that's all we had to do with this album as well is we literally just booked out two days two weeks apart the first day we did drums and bass live you know the, the drums and bass tried to exactly the same time and then the second day i did all the guitars for the entire album which was you know intense um but fortunately if i may say so i'm a pretty good guitar player so it <laughs> yeah, worked yeah. out um and um then i did all the vocals and synths and stuff myself in my flat here um so it's kind of just the way that we've always operated we've always been operating to a very strict sort of you know uh time frame because we've never had the luxury of having anyone paying for studio time for us yeah so um also like it makes sense like i mean like this next album that we're gonna do uh, we just want to do a double album. Like I'm being super inspired by the sort of eighties sort of like SST bands and stuff like, you know, House could do and, um, Sonic youth and stuff. Like I, I want to do a double album and uh, but I want to track it live. Like, I want to go into yeah. the, to a studio, get three days and just bang it out live and then have like drums, bass, guitar, and then like one channel free for maybe a few guitar dubs and maybe keys and then just vocals and have a super raw because this album, even though we only did it in two days, it's quite a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. Like I did quite a lot of overdubs in my flat. Yeah. You know, with like synths and stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because I was so surprised when I read that you'd done it in two days because it's such a, um, it is a beautifully put together record and like like you say, uh, the the synths and the additional bits you put over the top add so much to it. But you can't tell. Yeah. If you, if you, if you didn't know it had been recorded in two days, you would, you, you'd think it had been recorded yeah, over a yeah, couple, couple of weeks with like lots of producer input and all yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it's it, really, it's it, really... it was the opposite of that. It was proper 
quick. Um, but because like, I've got you know audio engineering background myself anyway, like with Peridot, like I said, I recorded the entire album and mixed it all myself. Like I kind of, whenever I've worked with another engineer, I've generally got a firm idea in my head of what I want to happen. So therefore it's fine for me to go back and do stuff myself because I know how to record. I know how to set up mics and, you know, EQ stuff and things like that. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I, maybe a slight cheating to say it was recorded in two days. Like <laughs> the, 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 the bones of it were done in two days, yeah. you know, and then everything else. But then like, there's interludes on there um, that are like years old, you know, from when I was doing a lot more sort of ambient stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, oh, this fits. I'll pop that in there. It's like, um, you know, I, I was, uh, I've got a good book about uh, the Brian Dose Town Massacre. Mm. And Anton Newcomb was saying how like people sometimes will say, like, oh, yeah, man, his old stuff was better. It's like, yeah, but they're idiots because what they realize is this album that I've just put out this year has stuff that's like six years old, you know, <laughs> but they don't know that. Yeah. Because when you're constantly doing stuff, sometimes, like, I've, you know, you've always got a surplus of material. So it's like, yeah, yeah oh, this fits here. I'll slot that in. Because that's something that I want to maybe go away from with the next music release. I want to get away from the whole like interlude stuff because I've always done that, you know. Yeah. But that's how I like records. Like, I have a a certain thing in my head of the kind of records I like. And generally they have, they're a bit of a journey, you know, yeah, and we're an album orientated band. We're not a single band, you know, like songs mean nothing. Albums mean everything basically to me. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Well, just, just on that actually, and around the, the physical release for this, um, they're talking uh, uh, about sort of the album story. You decided to um, put out some seven inches, but like two songs uh, each on each seven inch. What yeah. was what was the what was the thinking around that? I know I know um, I know you were speaking about like not having a lot of money and obviously putting out yeah. Full I mean that, that's a lot. Be, yeah, that was the primary sort of um, impetus for trying to think of like a creative way to put out the albums that we couldn't afford to press the entire. Album. I mean, we could, but we didn't want to. You know, we didn't want to spend all the money on putting the album on vinyl because. Um, it's, it, it's a big investment, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't just want to do CDs again because, you know, that's sort of passe. Yeah. Um, and I think cassettes, are, you know, I don't know. I'm not into cassettes. I know people are, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, um, We could do it that would add some sort of collectability factor uh, whilst keeping our expenses, you know, um, reasonable. And so doing the whole seven-inch thing, so obviously, so there's 10 tracks on the album, um, but the, obviously we did four seven inches of two tracks each. So there's two tracks that people won't hear um, as a result of, you know, getting these seven inches. So yeah. there is a reason to actually, this is the album. And then there's the idea of sending them out at random. I just thought it'd be a nice thing to do because it's sort of an exclusivity thing, you know? Yeah. Like I had someone on Twitter earlier today ask me, like they were playing it and they was like, oh, what song's this? I was like, well, this song is called Sainted. Um, <laughs> but you know, no one else can hear the song except you because you've got the seven inch that had that on it, you know? Mm. So it's, um, it's and it's gone pretty well. Like, pretty, I think we've got like seven copies left. Oh, wow. So we've pretty much sold out. Yeah. Um, it's been nice. It's been, it's, it's been really cool to see people actually, um, you know, we've sold it to like, you know, New York, Germany, Japan, like, it's crazy, yeah. You know? So it's, it's not crazy for most fans. That's typical, but for us, it's crazy. Just you know, a tiny man from Birmingham, so it's nice. And I think it was it was an experiment, really, and it seems to have paid off. 
Um, although the pressing plan did completely balls it up <laughs> and uh, sent us the initial pressing in the wrong color. Oh, so dear. I think when we sell out of this um, version, we are going to be um, taking some on tour that, uh, of a standard black color rather than the translucent sort of vinyl. So, yeah. But I think, yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, I think adding that exclusivity to it, I know as a record collector myself, um, it definitely adds a personal touch and I do like, I've not really seen anyone do that before, doing that sort of random, pick a random one out of the stack and send it to someone. Yeah. It, it does add a personal no, it, touch. It, it, I mean, I, I was kind of inspired as well by like, like singles clubs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you know, subscription sort of services sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, and like I said, people seem to have enjoyed it. So yeah, good, good. T 10 out of 10 to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to hear, man. It's good to hear. And yeah, the, the record is great. Um, I mean, I've been listening to it the last sort of couple of weeks since you sent it to me. And, oh, yeah. Um, buzzing for... Do you want to review it for um, <laughs> for website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, like, we do everything ourselves. So we, like, um, have our own label and stuff. And, I mean, yesterday... Well, no, day before yesterday, like, we released to be clear. And I, I do all our press. I've actually set up my own fake press agency <laughs> to do it. And I was, you know, uh, blasting out 150 emails to different press outlets yesterday. And it's so difficult it being is. a small band in the UK right now. Like, uh, I was saying to... Um, the band I was rehearsed with last night, that I actually think there is a, a seismic shift in the UK online music press um, when the 1975 became a thing. There was like pre-1975 and post-1975. Because when the 1975 got big, like a lot of these websites, like DIY and Clash and stuff, websites that we used to get coverage on, yeah. they started like covering more pop stuff as a result. Like poptimism seems to be a big thing. Yeah. And it's now even more difficult than ever as a tiny UK punk band to get coverage from those sites. And I think it's all because of 1975. So Matt Healy, if you're listening, <laughs> fuck you. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, I, yeah so it's crazy. Yeah, no, I totally agree because... Yeah, obviously I write for a couple of independent sites. One more, that one that covers more sort of rock and metal, and then obviously the other site that I know you got, you've Earth been on, Cake yeah, Birthday Cake, yeah, yeah. Um, and they cover more sort of well a very wide realm of stuff, which is nice, which yeah. is why I like writing for for that site. But it's um, yeah, I totally agree. And the thing I like about those two sites, and there's a reason why. Um, and noise is the other one uh, for anyone listening. Check them out. Um, yeah, yeah with, with two Z's. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. The reason I like writing for noise is the editors have a very... Um, their, their ethos is to promote smaller bands. Yes, they do cover yeah. the bigger rock and metal yeah. records, but they're more likely... If I go to them and go, I want to write about this niche like metal yeah. record, they, they will go, yeah, fuck it, go for it. I yeah, remember, like, yeah. obviously, my album of the year, The Armed, as soon as uh, I knew that was coming out. I was you like, like, The Armed? Did yeah. you? I didn't know that. <laughs> they get mentioned so much on this podcast. But, um, yeah, when I wanted to write that, it was just like, not everyone's going to like it, but I don't care. But the noise guys were like, you can write as long a piece as you want to write about yeah. it, and you can just waffle on. Like, that freedom, yeah. that, that's good. And that's, yeah. that's the night. I used to write as well. I, I used to write for... Um, uh, the 405, oh, if you remember yeah. that website. Yeah. Um, and uh, they actually, they booted me because I gave too many bad reviews. 
<laughs> like, there's so many stuff. Like, I said too many albums were shit, and they were like, we can't have this kind of pessimism on a website. And I was like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a music critic. Yeah. So I mean, I, I do, I do still write. I've got like a guitar blog, as you say, like when I interviewed myself, like, and that I started last lockdown mainly as a way to try and give local bands some sort of press, even though they weren't playing gigs. Yeah. Um, and I, I do kind of feel. I mean, some people have been grateful for it. Like Tom Goddam has been like posted about it and he kind of got the point but i do feel it's kind of overlooked like i mean i've like we have newts and just me myself i've got very staunch like diy ethic yeah you know like i've always done everything myself um but sometimes out of necessity and sometimes just because i don't trust anyone else to do things or to be as productive as I and we are, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did start this guitar blog, you know, it's one way to sort of indulge my guitar fetish, but also to give local bands a little bit of press that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's funny how, you know, some bands are just, they might be in bands, but they're still assholes and they don't appreciate it. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's weird. Like having done this for like nearly a decade at this point and, done and seen so many different sides you know from like playing to two people to like supporting Foo Fighters of goddamn like yeah. I've seen all sides of it you know and it is funny when you see like local bands that actually have no idea what it is like to actually be in a proper band that tours and do everything you know like some people definitely have a, a vision of doing it that um it's all very sort of they're like in a in their little bubble of popularity because their friends come to their local yeah, gigs yeah. and they think they're the best and but they haven't driven 14 hours to a gig in the middle of Europe to play to no one. And you know what I mean? Like they haven't done that stuff. So I basically, uh, I am a bit of Belland. But you're totally right though. And um, it's nothing against those, I, I suppose that naivety of like a, a young new band, but when you're a bit longer in the yeah. tooth, like um, yeah, yeah. Where you, you learn those things along the way and you know that, if you do play, uh, it, even if you think you're a great band and you've been touring for years, if you have those odd gigs where you play to ten people, that's okay. It's fine. It's just part. Yeah, it's, fine. It's, it's part. I mean, it's part I, of I the really journey. Said, like you know, the the whole Foo Fighters thing gets brought up a lot, like with me and my friends, because I think it's crazy that I did it. And I always said, like, that was one of my least favorite gigs I've ever played. I'd rather play the Sunflower Lounge yeah. any day. Yeah, it was awful gig. It was horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, there were ten thousand people there, but. Aside from that, it sucked. Yeah. Like, and it's, but I, I was also, I, I did another interview earlier today and covering sort of this similar themes. And I was saying that, like, there's, there's kind of two types of bands. Like, there's people that are in a band and therefore have to write songs because they've decided to have a band. So, oh, we've got to write some songs. And then there's people that are in a band because they need a band because they write songs yeah. and they make art. And we are, I am the latter, you know, like this is, it is not a choice. Yeah. You know, this is, I could not put this down and stop doing it. I'd literally have killed myself if it wasn't for music, yeah. you know, and it is not, um, and it's so hard to convey that to people that don't get it. Yeah. Like they don't know what it's like to have this compulsion to do something. You know, they're like, but even my parents are like, why are you doing this band stuff? Like, you know, you're not famous. It doesn't, to make you any money, you spend lots of money on it. So why are you doing it? It doesn't seem very practical. So you don't understand. Yeah, you yeah. don't understand what it's like to have an obsession that literally from the moment you wake up, to the moment you go to sleep, 
is all it's all consuming yeah and that is what music is for me and um and i want it to be more so like i'm sort of newly single i'm hoping you know with my 30th birthday to sort of knock the, the drinking on the head and all i want to do is just do as much music as humanly possible because it's the only thing i care about it's the only thing that i like in this world everything else is awful yeah you know except me but you, so, but you, yeah. yeah you're 100 right i think uh a, a lot of the people that we know in the circles that we run in i think very lucky to know some very talented people and it's very obvious um well i say it's very obvious it's very obvious for people like us i suppose and this sounds a bit elitist but it's kind of true when you, when you meet someone in a band and you become mates with them you know whether they're doing it for the almost like the right reasons and you know and yeah. that's where the yeah, and that's totally. where the good art comes from like you say the good art the good music it comes from a place of necessity not because yeah, i'm in a band definitely. i need to write songs these are people that yeah yeah exactly like it's and but it's a lonely thing to do as well like you know to be an artist and like like for me the only way that i can write is by being alone and like if i'm writing i'm i'm not a very off the cuff person anymore because i think i've gone through that like burst of inspiration period like it's a grind you know and i literally just need to set myself up in a room with nothing around me clear my schedule for eight hours and just do it and especially now like generally that's on a sunday which is the only day i have off a week yeah so it's like you know what am i gonna get a girlfriend and go out for dinner on a sunday no sorry i can't i've got to write more songs my shitty band that no one cares about you know? like, it's it's a hard thing to do and um but it's fulfilling yeah that's the main thing it's fulfilling and like i know that with my music if you look at everything that music have done like, I know that that is, it, it, it's like a way of securing your own immortality. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that will live on and it's there. But you could go through that and discover this person, you know, me through my lyrics and everything. Like, it's sort of like a, a time capsule, yeah. you know, that anyone can stumble upon at any given point as long as they have a Spotify subscription. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, damn, you, yeah. Damn you, Spotify, you all-consuming yeah. bastard. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, succinct point, and I absolutely 100% agree with you. Um, and long live the the decent DIY scene. That's that's all I've got to say. It's... I hope so, and I, I hope it comes back in a big way yeah. when we start, you know, everything kicks off again. I mean, I, I think, uh, I know that, I don't know how it is in London, um, but in Birmingham, uh, like, the promoters that are booking shows again, like, it's, it's all local bands. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really good for the local scenes, like, places being a bit more... Um, you know, uh, domestic, as it were, um, and not just relying upon this band rolling through town. You know, like, I think the scenes will start to celebrate themselves a bit more, which I think should be a really good thing because uh, it's crazy how much the music scene has changed in the past 10 years. Yeah. Like, when I first started Mutes in 2014, like, it was, especially Birmingham, it was still quite a thriving city mm. i mean i played some weird gigs in weird places like, i played on like the street in king's heath and like you know weird places and like there would be like record stay the record store day events that would be like you know gigs all over the city and oxygen festival and then over the past couple of years that kind of collapsed and it just sort of became like right 
we just need to be asking for the support for like dry cleaning when they come through. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the whole local stuff seems to sort of die a bit of a death. So I'd like to see that come back into full effect, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the, the perfect point to move on to uh, the my favourite part of the, the podcast and talking about, and I know we did kind of cover it when um, I interviewed you before uh, the goddamn gig, yeah. but we were in a rush because you had a gig to play. So I wanted to dive a bit more into live music and some of your favourite gigs um, played and been to. And I suppose rolling off that point, um, I yeah, I hope you've got some examples of Birmingham gigs because I don't know much about Birmingham and that scene. I've got a heavy ties obviously oh, with London. Yeah. So I don't live in Birmingham anymore. Sadly, I live in Wolverhampton, yeah. which is fucking arsehole of the earth. <laughs> um, but it's, it's cheap here, and I, you know, have a job here, so it's fine. I'm only 18 minutes from the. From, I'm only 18 minutes from Birmingham on the train, so I'm basically in Birmingham anyway, as much as I feel. Um, but in terms of so right okay so favorite gigs that I've been to yeah right and I'll try and pick ones that uh, I didn't cover last time one of the big ones um, the it's probably a bit of a cliche now but Jesus Christ man Black Midi in 2018 oh, at the Hare and Hounds venue too it was sold out and it was even though they had technical issues it was absolutely incredible they were absolutely righteous man yeah. and um i hung out with them after as well and they were lovely like they gave me like a crate of beer and stuff and, and then the next time i saw them about a year later in nottingham at rough trade they had like handlers and stuff like you couldn't go near them and it was so weird that these were the kids that i'd saw and had a beer with like last year but yeah that was amazing um god whatever amazing gig yola tango at oh, the birmingham nice. um city hall Nice. That was amazing. Didn't sell very well, sadly. Um, but Yellow Tango are one of my top five bands of all time. Like, I can't even... I mean, I'm getting emotional <laughs> just talking about them. Like, I can't explain how big an impact they have on me. Yeah. And Ira Kaplan as well, just as a guitar player, is just... Oh, God. He's, he's like God level. And um, when I was leaving that day, the gig, he was at the merch table selling merch. Now, this is a guy that's in his 60s that's been in, you know, the other tango since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. An absolute, like, you know, McCartney can fuck off, man. Like, <laughs> I was the guy that I want before I get buried, you know? And he was at the merch table and I was like, oh my God, I could actually go and talk to Ira Kaplan. But then I didn't because I was slightly stoned and slightly drunk and I would have made a tear myself, which is what I like to do, make a tear <laughs> myself. So I didn't. I was like, James... Don't ruin no. this evening. Yeah. Don't talk to him. Don't, don't, <laughs> no, don't, don't, home. Yeah, don't ruin the magic. Like you'll, yeah, you'll ruin yeah. the, yeah, the tango oh, forever. Man, I, I should have, like, I, I should have just taken his hand and been like, Ira, you changed my life, <laughs> and then just walked off. You know, um, but I probably wouldn't be ten people doing that to him that day. You know, um, and then let's pick a third one, a third amazing gig. Ooh, um, all right, I'll tell you a surprising one. It wasn't one oh. of the best gigs of a venture, but a surprising one. Um, Jimmy Eat World at Reading Festival. That's so a... we got down and played Reading. Yeah. Like, um, we, um, yeah, like, like, I mean, I love Jimmy Eat World. Like, I mean, I was, a, a big part of my musical upbringing was, like, when I used to, like, Tech for Johnny Foreigner and stuff, and I was quite into that, like, sort of emo world, you know, the 2003 sort of scene. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Clarity is, like, and Futures were, like, two of my, you know, big albums that I love. And, um, but then, you know, I lost interest in Jimmy World, as I think a lot of people did, sadly. Yeah. Um, when they played Reading, and I didn't really think too much of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check him out. 
absolutely one of the best sounding live bands they're, I've ever heard. They're, like, they're, they sounded fantastic. They, they're, 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 I've never seen a bad show of theirs, and it's hopefully it will go ahead because obviously they're um, meant to be playing 2000 Trees, funnily enough, uh, this yeah. year. And yeah, what what a band! Like um, again, like, yeah, for me as well. I grew up on Jimmy Well because Bleed American came out two thousand and one. I think Four. it was two thousand four. Oh, two thousand one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they had to change the title because of September the eleventh. Yes, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I bought yeah. the CD um, before they changed the title, so it came out with Bleed American, and they had to pull all the copies. And then re- yeah. rebrand it as self-titled. And yeah, that had, that had such that album such a big impact. Was that one of your first, was it, what was the first album that you ever bought? First album interest? I ever bought ever. Yeah. Uh, Stereophonic, Stereophonics performance and cocktails. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, wicked. <laughs> yeah. Because um, um, I think my first album that I bought with my own money yeah. was uh, Americana by The Offspring. Oh, uh, yeah, like that was one of my early ones. And one or something like i was like 11 i think yeah so yeah that was and i, I was so obsessed with that album i had this french school this french kid who was like an exchange student because i went to boarding school and um you know, like he came over it was called hugh and we were obsessed with the offspring i like to the point where like we literally made copies of like the liner notes like you know the booklet oh, God. like we drew it all out and made copies of it and we'd just like sit on the swings singing <laughs> offspring songs to each other it was so cool but but that was like that's when i realized i was obsessed with music because yeah. when i was a younger kid i was obsessed with like sharks and dinosaurs like hyper obsessed and my, my, my mission was always to be a marine biologist like when i was oh, seven wow. i said to my parents like I was, i'm gonna be a marine biologist that's the one we do in my life but then I, uh, I discovered Nirvana, I discovered guitar, and it's all been fucking downhill since, man. <laughs> I mean, like, all the, my ambition went out of the window. Well, that, that, yeah. that was like me, and I mean, I was kind of <clears throat> discovering music, but like my, and this is why they're still one of my favourite bands to this day, but listening, Queen, listening to Queens of Stone Age rated R, and it opening yeah. with Nicotine oh. Valley and Vicodin Marijuana Ecstasy and Alcohol, yeah. and I was like... My head just yeah, exploded. Yeah, mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was like, I, 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 I fuck it. I, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, Rated R is probably the best driving album in the world. If yeah. you ever go on a, a, on a journey in a car, just listen to that album. It's absolutely a fantastic driving album. But yeah, it, it's funny, like um, you know, charting people's descent into music fandom, as it were. Yeah, like, and because it's generally for most people, there's a tipping point. You know, like like for me, like I said, it was like getting this Offspring album, yeah. that was when I realised, oh, God, I'm going to be really into this stuff, you know. <laughs> it's funny to see. Because you always take for granted, like, and that's a weird thing about music as a thing to be into, is that, like, you go to gigs and you get into the scene and, and there's a lot of sociopaths. There's a lot of people that get into music scene, especially in London, to be honest yeah. with you, man. Like, people just move from London to get into music scenes because they want to be cool. They're fucking dicks. <laughs> but, like, sometimes it, it's hard to, like, realise. You look around at, like, your bandmates and the people there at the gig, and you're like, we were all losers when yeah, we were younger. Yeah, 100%. That's why we're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, like, like we, we found our thing, but we all felt alienated when we were younger. And this is what we're doing now is only a result of that alienation. And sometimes I think that has to be recognized. And like, you have to be like, hey, we're on the same page. We're on the same page yeah. because we, we did not enjoy being a young person. That's generally where it comes from, I think. Well, that's, so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's why it's called the alternative scene. It's the, it's not, it's not the mainstream. It's not, yeah. it's not every uh, normal exactly. life we are the- it's crazy when you meet people that don't like music yeah like i know people like my, my work colleagues and they're not into music 
I'm like, do you like music? They're like, no, it's, it, it's okay. Yeah, what do you mean? It's like I didn't like oxygen one day. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I don't like water. No, it's not for me. Like, how can you not be obsessed with music? Yeah. Like, it's making sense. It's, it's kind of what you were saying earlier. It's like with commuting, because my commute with my new job's quite long. So I've got like an hour and a half to listen to music well to done. from. I'm getting a, so I, was, I was following your job searching journey on Facebook. Oh I mean, I even God. said to you, didn't I? It's like, uh, I've been in that position myself, man. There's no, the only thing worse than having a job you hate is not having a job at all. Oh, oh my think. God. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I've never, I've worked every day, well, every week since I was like 16 kind of thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's the first time I've not had a job ever. And it was the most, and during a pandemic, don't recommend it to anyone. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> no, I mean, I've seen like, like I've worked every day throughout the pandemic. I mean, I manage an apartment building. That's my job. Yeah. So obviously in the pandemic, all my tenants were working from home. So we had more, it was more work than ever. Yeah. Um, but I was so grateful to still have, I mean, I saved up a, a bunch of money and stuff and so it's fine. But like, I've definitely like seen people that have not had a job or been on furlough throughout this entire thing. And they've not done anything with their lives. Yeah. It's just like they just sat in the garden and got pissed. I'm like, if I didn't, a, if I was on furlough, the first thing I'd be doing is getting a second job because I have a second job anyway. Yeah. So I'll be getting a third job, you know. And secondly, like, would you not like use this time to like do some amazing stuff? Yeah. You know, like, well, you know, exactly. I mean, exactly. Captain Tom managed it, man. You know, what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, I, I started writing last year. I did those stupid cover videos and stuff. Actually, I talked to Tom about. Uh, doing one of those we never did it which was a shame we were going to do it i think we were going to do a cake cover um which would have been fun oh, yeah. but we probably won't have time for it now but yeah yeah you're totally right like even though there were a lot of days where i sat and watched marvel films or whatever i still yeah. had to have like that's why i started writing because i was like i just need to do something because otherwise i'm going to go absolutely yeah. insane right I, i'm not someone that like and this is one reason i keep myself so busy like if I have a vast expanse of free time, nothing will get done. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I will. I mean, like stuff will get, like, I'll, I'll do stuff. Like, you know, I'll exercise and stuff. But creatively. Procrastination like, central. Yeah. You know, so I need to, like, mutes have always been a band that I write as we rehearse and play gigs. Because I've got a reason to, you yeah. know. Whereas, like, I'm not, I mean, I've done it in the past. But I'm like, why would I write music if I can't play it? Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm not really interested in being like a studio laptop sort of, you know, producer sort of person, because to me, like, it's all about the emotional release of playing live. And, and it feels great, you know, that, that, and like, like, it's, it's almost like, it's like, you know, if you didn't, you didn't have a dick, why would you bother having sex? You know, <laughs> like, like it's like being, uh, you know, all our dicks chops off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best analogy, but you know. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think it's a perfect analogy. Um, so just to round off the podcast, because we have gone massively off topic, but that's fine. It's really great chat. Um, what are your top gigs that you've played, um, either in Mutes, Goddamn, or the, the gazillion other projects uh, that you were involved in? Um, man, so it's so strange because there's so many... Um, you know, deciding factors that you can take into account when you. So, for example, like the Foo Fighters gig, we've got damn biggest gig I've ever played, ten thousand people in Budapest. But as an actual enjoyment thing, nah. no, it's like it's like lower tier. Um, whereas, I mean, oh, that Shackwell Arms gig was fucking amazing. 
Yeah. That was absolutely fantastic. That was, that for me, that was a pinnacle for, for being in Goddamn. Like that, that was an absolutely blistering show. Yeah. We were on form. The energy was insane. It was just, and I, I was sober as well. So like, 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 you know, I remember every single second of it, it was incredible. Um, so that's definitely there with mutes. I mean, it's been such a hard slog. Um, that it's a lot of them have just been sort of like punching the clock, you know. Yeah. But we did. I put on a gig in our old rehearsal space in 2017 when Mutes had just become a free piece for the first time, and we set up the stage ourselves. We had like you know cables stretching the stage over like the um, like uh, the supporting beams and the ceiling going back to the back of the room. It was so sketchy, man. <laughs> Health and, and safety nightmare. <laughs> it, it was, it, it's on YouTube, actually. The gig's on YouTube. You can find it. It was at Blotto Studios. And for some reason, and I, I honestly think it was because I had long blonde hair, so people liked our band more because I looked funny. <laughs> um, genuinely. Um, like, for some reason, we got a bit of a buzz around that time, 2017, with Mutes. And... It was the only gig where, like, as we were setting our stuff up on stage, people were already cheering. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is going to be sick. And then we just blasted through the set. And the people I was playing at the time, Rob and James, um, they were, like, the most... Uh, they weren't the best musicians in the world, but they had a lot of intensity. Yeah. And the energy was amazing. It was just an amazing gig. Yeah. And then it kept in after, and that made it even better. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, that was a great night. And I got Domino's as well. God, that's not a lot. And then number three. Oh, um, oh, God. I mean, maybe like, I mean, like I said, a lot of the Mutes gigs have been pretty, uh, you know, just us trying to win people over. But we played, Mutes played the Shackwell, actually. You know Josh Cooper? Rogue yes, Girl. yeah, yeah, no Josh, yeah. Um, we played one of his nights in September 2019, and that was absolutely fantastic because we, at that point, and how it will be from now on, like, I don't talk on stage at all because there's just no point. Yeah. Um, a, I'm an idiot, so I say something stupid, and B, like, just let the music speak for itself. So we, we went back to the old sort of Mutes style, which was like, like we had a sampler, we had interludes and stuff, and we just went on stage and just absolutely blasted through the set, and it went over amazingly. Oh, amazing. uh, in London, that's hard, you know, because I played a lot of gigs in London that are like, you know, people, let down. People just, and, um, people just standing there staring at you blankly. Yeah, yeah. a bit of a lot of those but, but gigs. It was a great gig, and this is, it kind of seems a bit like an asshole thing to notice, but it's always a great gig when your band plays and the room's full and you win people over, and you're like, this is great. And then you go in to watch the main band, and people have left. Oh, and you're like, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's because they know that the show ended. So that, that was definitely a thing with, with that show. Like, I felt bad for any band that had to follow us. Yeah. Oh, but also another gig, uh, just a bonus, fourth one, is when we, our first gig with Craig, when he'd been in the band for two and a half hours, um, we support Cloud Nothings, oh, nice. the Castle Falcon in Birmingham. And yeah, we, it was just Cloud Nothings Nurse, room was full, and we had something to prove, you know, we had a new member and we just ripped through it. And it was, in fact, there's, again, there's a video on YouTube and actually Tom from Dan was there and I actually gave my guitar at the end oh, of the set. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah. I think you, I think so that was a yeah, I, fantastic show. Yeah. I think yeah. you posted that or somebody posted that video sometime last year. And yeah. I, I, watched... I, I did post it. Yeah. Cause that, that, that version of form color that we played was just 
so sick. And like the be- one of the best guitar solos I've ever played in my life. And I was just like, oh man. Like sometimes, like not that I watch videos of myself or listen to my own music, but for that, it's because I was doing this PRS funding um, application. So I had to make a video, uh, which we didn't get because they only give funding to bands that don't need it, apparently. <laughs> like, go girl. Um, but um, yeah, so I had to go through a bunch of like, live videos to get clips of this video. I just remember watching, I was thinking, oh man, we're pretty sick. <laughs> like, you know? I, yeah, that. Um... <laughs> That bit with because it was like featuring God, uh, featuring Goddamn Tom, and, and I was expecting him to be on stage, and then just right at the end, yeah. you're just like, "Here you go, mate!" Like just yeah. finish it. Well, no, I, I used to jump into the crowd a lot. I won't be doing that anymore, though. I think Mute's thing from now on is going to be a lot more sort of just um, aloof, yeah. you know. Because I've done the whole like you know punk thing, like I'll go into the crowd and you know say, "Hey, you know, let me see your horns," sort of thing. Like, like I don't think he's going to be. I think now I, all I want to do really is just make music and play it. And if people don't like it, then you know, never, never mind. mind. Yeah, they, I guess. And they and they will be missing yeah, out, mate. And I think that is a succinct uh, uh, point to finish on. I think every, end, every, everyone yeah. should go and listen to Mutes and. Um, when the album drops, uh, go and listen to it. And yeah. go. Dream, Dreams are being cornered out May the seventh. Yeah, which is also my birthday. So if you don't listen to it, I'll be personally <laughs> offended. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, thank you very much, Adam. It's been lovely to chat to you, and I'm glad that you're well. Yeah. And obviously, I will. Oh, I'm sure I'll see you in person soon. We'll have to. You know, I'm I'm probably going down to London at some point soon. So I'll hit you up. Maybe go grab a beer or something. Yeah, I've, I've been speaking yeah. to Tom and. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever been to Wolverhampton, uh, and I don't know if I want to come to Wolverhampton. But no, maybe t- <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no, there's no need, there's no need, In, unless uh, for some reason your train breaks down here, mate. Just <laughs> fucking pass right on through. You ain't missing anything. Yeah, but Birmingham yeah. is okay. Yeah, so, but, yeah, yeah, Birmingham. I need to revisit Birmingham. Go to the Heron Hounds. What a great, great little oh. venue that is. Yeah, man. Well, we're 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 playing actually the first full capacity show at the Heron House that's being put on on June 23rd so nice um, fantasy a midweek gig <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah fuck. but otherwise yeah September tour we're doing so um, I'm trying to book out Blondies actually talking about friends in Outlander who are an amazing band that nice. you should check out nice. Outlander yeah I'll check them out and... just released a single from Church Road Records oh, and, oh. oh shit yeah I saw yeah I saw that I saw that they got um, signed yeah Church Road Records yeah. man um, what what a label that's becoming um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's uh, although you know no, no, we need to end the podcast. I'm not going to run that <laughs> No, it's fine. It, no, it's good, man. And it's, yeah, honestly, it's been a great chat and really nice to catch up. And yeah, hopefully see you in a sweaty venue uh, in the not yeah, too man. distant future. Share a lukewarm beer. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you, Adam. Nice to see you, man. <laughs>